Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll check them out and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy. Bob's a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, uh, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, his latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. He wrote that with uh, Buzz Aldrin. It is January the 5th, and on this day in 1531, Pope Clement VII sent a letter to King Henry VIII of England forbidding him to remarry under penalty of excommunication from the church. Henry, who was looking for a way out of his marriage to his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, ignored the Pope's warning. He went on to marry Anne Boleyn and four subsequent wives, leading to his excommunication and one of the most significant schisms in the history of Christianity. Catherine was the first daughter of Ferdinand and Isabel of Spain and the aunt of Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, in addition to being the widow of Henry's brother, Arthur. Increasingly concerned by his failure to produce a legitimate heir, although he publicly acknowledged an illegitimate son, Henry Fitzroy, Henry searched for a way to end his marriage in a manner of consistent with his Catholic faith. This was necessary for political reasons, as a monarch violating Catholic doctrine risked disgrace and condemnation by the Pope. Henry was also, by accounts, a fairly devout Catholic who was known opponent of Protestant Reformation that was taking uh, shape on the continent, earning the title of Defender of the Faith from Pope Leo X for a treatise he wrote on attacking Martin Luther. Henry sent emissaries to the Pope in hopes of having his marriage annulled and even prevailed upon Clement to establish an ecclesiastical court in England to rule on the matter. Clement, however, had no intention of nullifying the marriage. In addition to his doctrinal objective, uh, objections. He was far more or less a prisoner of Charles V at the time and was powerless to stand in the way of Charles' insistence that the marriage stand. Already infatuated with Anne Boleyn, who was known to have taken a keen interest in Luther and the Reformation, Henry had exhausted his options for remarrying within the church and decided excommunication was a fair price to pay for independence from the Pope and the potential of fathering an heir. Henry banished Catherine from the court and married Anne secretly in 1532 and publicly the following year. In doing so, he fundamentally altered the course of Christian and European history. Subsequent to his remarriage, Henry issued a string of decrees that uh, removed his kingdom from the palpal rule, ending the supremacy of the Catholic Church and creating the Church of England. Although the new church was, at first, extremely similar to the Roman Catholicism, these moves made Henry and his successors absolute rulers who did not answer to the Pope. England joined a number of German states as well as Sweden in rejecting Catholicism, drawing battle lines for centuries of religious, political, and military conflict to follow. All that's so important to our history of the Church as well as England uh, in 1531. 
Well, Collier County reported a surging number of coronavirus cases in the week ending Sunday, adding 2,866 new cases, more than double the number of the previous uh, week of 1,130. So uh, no question about it, the number of cases is going up. We could probably see some increase in the number that are hospitalized, but certainly not in conjunction with or parallel to the number that are of cases. Joe Biden, uh, 2022, he said, there's a lot of reason to be hopeful in 2020. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm not kidding. About coronavirus pandemic, Biden's warned that the unvaccinated, that they risked death by resisting the shot. Can you believe it? He really said that. You'll experience severe illness in many cases if you get COVID-19, if you're not, unvac- if you're not vaccinated. Some will die, needlessly die, he said. Biden made no mention of the 40% increase in the non-COVID deaths of working-age people between 18 and 64. This, of course, mentioned yesterday's show by uh, the CEO of One American Insurance Company made that Biden also urged parents to get their children ages five and over to get vaccinated, calling it the best way to protect them in schools. He also said children should continue social distancing in classes and buses and wearing masks so that schools could stay open. Unvaccinated kids are at risk, he said, previewing uh, guidance from the CDC that would soon allow some children to get booster shots. This is just out of control. Uh, President Joe Biden has no idea what he's talking about. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis certainly has a more sane strain of thought. He, uh, Florida Surgeon General Joseph Lopato said Tuesday they don't want Floridians who aren't showing COVID-19 symptoms to get tested and that they are overwhelming already overcrowded test sites. If you don't have systems, you're not a case, Lopato said in an afternoon news conference here in Naples. State's new uh, testing guidelines are in direct opposition to the World Health Organization and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that say people without symptoms can spread the Omicron variant and that testing is critical in preventing more infections. That makes no sense whatsoever. So if people who have been vaccinated and who aren't, if you, <laughs> if you get tested, so what? You're going to end up spreading it anyhow uh, if you end up getting the virus. Anyhow, Lopato criticized policies that emphasize people test frequently, or we are not trying to focus on high-value testing on those who are at high risk. We're trying to uh, focus it on people who are at high risk, like the elderly and people with symptoms, he said. Lopato described the state's thinking this way. It's not about restricting access to testing. It's about deprogramming or denormalizing the idea that you can't go anywhere unless you get tested, he said. You have no symptoms, please don't get tested. You're so unlikely to benefit from that, and you could be harmed, he said. Of course, opposition to Florida's new policy was very swift. Some professor of public health up in Jacksonville came out and said, this is outrageous, and we should all get tested. We need to know where we stand, and we have to stop the spread. Of course, none of these things, masks, lockdowns, whatever it might be in any state, have uh, worked. virus is going to take its own course. Hopefully, it's mild, uh, with mild symptoms, and we could all benefit from natural immunity. Well, thank you, Governor. Thank you for uh, making a sound decision on that. Two major Biden administration vaccine mandates that have been temporarily suspended in court will go before the U.S. Supreme Court on Friday. 
He announced in September's imposition of rules requiring private companies with 100 or more workers to be vaccinated for COVID-19 or regularly tested, and he mandated that all healthcare workers at facilities receiving Medicare and Medicaid funding receive the jabs as well. The big issue is whether or not the federal government has the authority to force employers to require that their workers be vaccinated. Legal group that's been at the forefront of helping employees navigate both company and government vaccine mandates believe the answer is clearly no. Biden has no authority to issue unlawful shot mandates that are unconstitutional, abusive, and inhumane against the people of the United States, he said uh, the Liberty Council founder and chairman Matt Staver. The Supreme Court must stop them once and for all, he said. The Biden administration is asking the court High Court to overrule lower courts that have halted the private employee policy in 25 states. Liberty Council noted that since the 70s, OSHA has issued nine emergency temporary standards. Six were challenged, and of the six, five were struck down by the Court of Appeal. Last week, Biden was hit with criticism from both sides of the political spectrum, saying that there is no federal solution to the COVID-19 pandemic, only state solution. <laughs> and, and this, of course, all the while saying that uh, he's going to solve the problem once and for all. He certainly failed at that. Of course, he had no knowledge of how to do that when he said it, but irrespective, President's critics point to the many instances in which he has vowed to shut down the virus and save the country from the pandemic. He was going to do that. He really wanted to. Didn't know how, but said he was going to do it. On Tuesday, the Republican governors of Florida South Dakota, Arizona, and Texas called on Biden to follow up on his remark by abandoning his federal vaccine and mask mandates and other restrictions. Now that Biden has admitted to the nation that he has no plan to shut down the virus and that there is no federal solution, we expect him to withdraw the unconstitutional and useless federal vaccine mandate, said spokesman in the office of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Thank you, Governor. In fact, uh, many states are now starting to rehire those they fired. Uh, who are healthcare workers, nurses, and so forth. Just complete chaos created by these foolish policies. Joe Biden, uh, of course, Senator from West Virginia, told a gaggle of reporters Tuesday that he has no conversations about negotiating with Democrat leadership and President Joe Biden on the massive social spending bill known as Build Back Better. Asked whether negotiations or conversations about the compromise have been ongoing. Manchin denied any knowledge of the discussions after his statement last month against the policy package. There have been no conversations after I made my statement. I was very clear. I feel strongly today, as I did then, that the unknown with COVID, here we are. I've got an N95. I see all of you do. He's talking about masks. Manchester reporter. So there's different concerns that we have now and that we haven't had for a while. So that's a concern. Inflation is still a concern. It's over 6%, said Manchin. Senator also mentioned President Biden's ongoing hostilities with Russian President Vladimir Putin as a more pressing, expensive issue than facing that's facing America. These are all challenges, he said, and this is all expensive. These are expensive challenges. So where uh, where are we on that? Manchin said. So interesting. So uh, Manchin's not going to. Bend on this, which is so fortunate, and hopefully he and uh, Cinema will also stand up against this talk about getting rid of the nuclear option or, or the uh, requirement for 60 votes 
to uh, pass a law in the Senate. Hope he stands strong on that. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Higher Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, the Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness, continuing education and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Collier Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239 239- 252-4534. That's 252-3534. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and I hope you'll check it out. You can download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is a constitutional scholar and author and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. And uh, we're seeing a lot of activity on Capitol Hill with regard to holding uh, 
people in contempt of Congress for not wanting to show up and so forth. I thought it might be an interesting topic, uh, Fifth Amendment protections and self-incrimination, executive privilege and so forth. So uh, let's discuss some of the legal issues. For starters, what constitutes contempt for Congress? Uh, it's a misdemeanor crime for refusing to comply with a subpoena that seeks either testimony or, or documents. Subpoenas uh, can be issued by Congress as a whole or by any committee that has investigative authority. Uh, way back in the 1950s, the Supreme Court explained the, the rationale for a contempt uh, statute. The court said, and this is a quote, the power of the Congress to conduct investigations is inherent in the legislative process, and it is unquestionably the duty of all citizens to cooperate with the Congress in its efforts to obtain the facts. So interesting. So what are the requirements for a valid subpoena? Well, first, it's, I think it's necessary to distinguish subpoenas from warrants. Uh, subpoenas issued by a legislature or by a court on request of the executive branch. Or sometimes it's requested by the parties that are in litigation and they want information from non-party uh, material witnesses. Um, a warrant, court-ordered warrant by comparison, is something that permits law enforcement officials in the executive branch only, not the legislature, to seize and search property of people that are suspected of criminal acts. And as you know, a warrant requires probable cause. Mm -hmm. For a subpoena to be legally sufficient, there are three requirements. First, if the subpoena is issued by the committee, then the committee itself has to be authorized by the full chamber. Second, the investigation has to pursue what's called a valid legislative purpose. And of course, that's the contention with respect to the January 6 hearings. And third, the information that's sought has to be relevant to the investigation. Those are the three requirements. So, Bob, uh, right now, there is some question about the uh, this current committee being valid. I'm talking about the January 6th committee because they didn't follow the rules established by the House for uh, establishing a bipartisan committee. So are the uh, subpoenas valid there? Well, of course, this is a matter for the courts to resolve, and they are going to be addressing that. It is clear that, you know, the organizers of this um, investigative committee declined the Republican inputs into the composition of that committee. Whether that is a, an egregious violation of House rules sufficient to negate the power of the subpoena, I frankly doubt, but we'll have to hear from the courts on uh, that. So interesting. So what remedies are available to Congress in enforcing a contempt charge? If it's criminal contempt, it's punishable by up to 12 months in jail and a fine that can go up to 100000 bucks. Mm. Uh, each chamber of Congress has a number of options to enforce a contempt uh, resolution. First, there's a statute. Uh, the presiding officer of the chamber can refer the matter to the U.S. Attorney for D.C., and the U.S. Attorney for D.C. then asks for a grand jury indictment. Second, though, if the U.S. Attorney won't cooperate, and that's you know, that sometimes happens when uh, the uh, executive branch and the legislative branch are different political parties. Uh, if that occurs, then the sergeant at arms for the chamber uh, can 
can arrest and detain uh, the guilty party. So this is a legislative arrest. And the third option is that the Senator House Legal Counsel can file a civil action and a federal court can then order compliance. And if the subject still refuses, he'll be cited for contempt, not by Congress, but by the court and punished by the court itself. Those are the three options. So interesting. So can't witnesses faced with a contempt charge to just take the fifth? Yes. The Fifth Amendment protects against self-incrimination. And there are a number of recent examples of of, uh, claims of the fifth. Uh, John Eastman, Trump's attorney who conceived of this Pence strategy to reject certified election results, he took the fifth. Uh, Michael Flynn, the national security advisor, who supposedly had knowledge of Russian involvement in the 2016 uh, election, took the fifth. And and uh, Trump's uh, confidant, Roger Stone, who promoted uh, the January 6th uh, revelry, all, all three of them took the fifth. Uh, generally, the fifth can only be invoked by natural persons. That is, it can't be by a collective entity such as a business or an association. But even if a witness claims that he's innocent, he can still refuse to testify. All he has to do is show that he might be ensnared by ambiguous circumstances. That's so interesting. So can Congress get around the fifth by granting immunity? In other words, saying, hey, you got nothing to lose here, so kind of spill the beans. Yes, uh, that requires a federal court order. It has to be, um, in the case of a congressional investigation, it has to be requested by a majority vote in uh, either the House or Senate or a two-thirds vote by the relevant committee. Hmm. Um, Now, it might also be possible to have the Justice Department step in and seek a search warrant instead of uh, a subpoena to produce documents. In fact, when when documents are involved, the scope of the Fifth Amendment privilege differs significantly just because the contents of a document may be incriminating. That doesn't necessarily negate a subpoena. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Supreme Court has ruled that voluntary creation of a document does not trigger Fifth Amendment protection against self-incrimination, even if the contents of the document are incriminating. Hmm. So for, for an example of that, uh, suppose you had a lease between the Trump organization and a foreign government, and suppose that lease disclosed a corrupt arrangement. If the lease itself was voluntarily created, then self-incrimination would not apply. It would only apply only if the government had mandated that the lease had been created or that the lease had been preserved contrary to normal business practices. That's so interesting. So if a witness had to produce documents, isn't that considered government compulsion? Yeah, and that's known as the act of production exception. And it goes like this. Even if a document is created without government coercion, if there's a subpoena to produce the document, that could involve coercion. So the question then is whether the production by itself might be incriminating regardless of the document's content. So if you're ordered to produce, then you would be admitting that the document was real, it existed, and it's in your possession. And if that admission exposes you to criminal charges, then you could invoke Fifth Amendment privilege. Congress, however, might be able to confirm independently 
that you have the document. And if that's the case, then compulsory production of the document wouldn't add very much information to what Congress already knew. And under those circumstances, the privilege against self-incrimination would not be triggered and the contents of the document could be examined. So all in all, it's pretty complicated. It is really complicated. Well, I really appreciate this non-political view of what's happening and uh, what the rules are with regard to, well, executive privilege as well as, uh, uh, you know, self-incrimination. Again, Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. I encourage your listeners to go to Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org to learn more. Bob, always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, not only uh, providing a new performing arts center in downtown Naples, it's going to be beautiful, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. And I think this is our first meeting in this new year. So I'll wish you a 
a happy new year. Happy new year to you as well, Andy. And, uh, you know, lots going on right now. We're seeing the emergence of this new Omicron virus and uh, cases are doubling here in, overnight in uh, Collier County. And, uh, of course, this is all leading to fanning the flames of fear across the nation. I want to get your thoughts. Well, I'm going to talk a lot about uh, Dr. Robert Malone and his views on exactly that issue. Uh, his basic point is, is that although Omicron is the uh, majority of the cases, most of the people hospitalized are still going in with Delta. Uh, the Delta variant, so mm-hmm. that the, the Omicron variant is still not proving to be a significant source of, uh, of symptomatic response, certainly not a, a, a process uh, where more mortality can even be doubted. Uh, but that's that's where uh, Malone's, and I'll get back to Malone again in greater depth, but that, that's where he sees that Omicron is not a major threat of, or a significant threat. Uh, Delta still, although uh, fewer cases, certainly, uh, but that is where most of the serious cases are coming from. Let me just back up a little bit and uh, get a few other things that are on my mind. Uh, uh, I-95 in Virginia was was shut down for 20 hours, which certainly is not a, is not a good news story. I can't imagine being stuck in that kind of a, a situation. Senator Kane was even stuck in that for 19 hours. Uh, but I, it does point out the ludicrous nature of the left, and those type of stories always are worth, worth mentioning. Uh, the left, of course, uh, indicated that uh, Glenn Youngkin, uh, should have done something to prevent this from happening. And it was his inactivity that uh, that really created the massive tie-up on I-95. Uh, they seem to totally ignore that Glenn Youngkin is not even in office as the governor of Virginia at this point. Right. Northam is still the governor. Uh, they also cite, uh, and they, they get confused whether they're talking about climate change or global warming. They, they tend to use them interchangeably. And they're, again, indicating that the foot of snow uh, that fell on the Maryland, Virginia area was, in fact, a derivative of, of in this case, they label it uh, global warming. So uh, I think when you're seeing these type of stories, you can begin to, and any fair observer of the American political process has to begin to understand that there's an absurdity of the left that just has has no no limits, Bob. But we can add to that, for example, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, uh, and if your readers of uh, listeners have not heard about this, this may be a little bit intrusive, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, AOC says Republicans hate her because they're jealous that they can't date and have sex with her. <laughs> now, I mean, is, <laughs> that is that is perhaps I don't I don't know if you've heard that, but uh, Candace Owens, who was one of my favorite commentators, right. uh, she indicated uh, you just want to have sex with me is potentially the filthiest, most immature response I've ever heard uttered from an elected official that is facing critique. She's quite literally creating a Republican sexual fantasy about herself. That was Candace Owens' comment. So uh, the absurdity of what comes out of the left is just uh, without without limits. Uh, and I think every day would have its comparable story. But these uh, these two were, were particularly on my mind as we, uh, we go to air. Well, I'll make this comment a little bit tongue-in-cheek, though. But uh, if they're going to blame Youngkin, where was Pete Buttigieg, who's supposed to be a head of transportation... <laughs> When it comes to the traffic tied up, I never heard anything from him of what he's going to do about it. He was doing something with his, his family, Bob, you know, and that takes precedence over everything. I remember when General Patton returned from World War II before the Great Battle of the Bulge because his family was, uh, was in need. Now, that's obviously facetious. That never happened because people of substance, they do their jobs. When they take on extreme responsibilities, they fulfill those responsibilities 
and and they let nothing nothing get in their way. Bob. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the Buddha judge comment is tongue in cheek, but it has a reality to it uh, based on his response to the uh, to the supply chain issue. Bob. Absolutely. So you know, uh, Robert Malone, Doctor Robert Malone, is emerging as an important voice right now. He just got kicked off of Twitter, about apparently half a million followers, and uh, he has he is speaking truth to power. Uh, can you give us a little bit of background on Robert Malone? Well, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene was also kicked off Twitter, and, and she is suggesting, and I think it's a very valid suggestion, is that uh, all people of, of uh, on the right, at least, and, and most people of sound mind, should get off of should get off Twitter. Uh, Robert Malone, uh, in, as you as you position him, and I feel the same way. Robert Malone is an emerging American hero. Yeah. Uh, he was the inventor of mRNA technology which is used in most of the vaccines that are being distributed in the United States today. And it's just a wealth of information. Uh, he has pointed out, uh, just in terms of the, the, the COVID process, uh, he has indicated that at this point, the vaccinated are more problematic or more dangerous than the unvaccinated, uh, primarily because they tend to be uh, more careless with where they go and how they interact with people. Uh, he also points out that the uh, the withdrawal of monoclonal uh, treatment uh, because it is not effective with Omicron uh, is is inappropriate. And as I said before, because it is effective with the Delta variant and it's the Delta variant that's causing the hospitalizations and the, the mortality that that still exists with with COVID. So he talks about that as being an absurd process. Uh, Dr. Malone had been on the, the Joe Rogan show when he uh, he referred to a comment that uh, uh, that I think is uh, is worth worth considering uh, in terms of uh, psychology. Something called mass formation mass formation psychosis. Right. And, and basically, mass formation psychosis is an overwhelming mass of propaganda can produce in the majority of the people of a nation uh, a, a hypnotic response that is that is not uh, interfered with by rational thought or new ideas. Uh, Malone cites the uh, comparable version, which is uh, Nazi Germany, and we can overuse Nazi Germany, certainly. But in this case, he's just trying to create a, a, a psychological parallel. Uh, and in this case, uh, I think it's quite correct. Uh, if we look at, I think, the, uh, the origin of many of Malone's views on this, it's a, a gentleman, a uh, psychiatrist from the mid-50s that I wrote about recently, uh, a fellow named Dr. Juice Milo. Uh, Juice Milo was one of the great authors of the impact of mind control and how that takes place. Just to give you a little uh, flavor of, of Milo in terms of our discussion right now, Bob, Milo said in totalitarian countries where belief in Pavlovian strategy has assumed grotesque proportions, the self thinking, subjective man has disappeared. There is an utter rejection of any attempt at persuasion or discussion. Individual self-expression is taboo. And just one more quick comment from, from Merlot. It is often disturbing to see how even intelligent people do not have straight-thinking minds of their own. The pattern of the mind, whether toward conformity and compliance or otherwise, is conditioned rather early in life. So when we're looking at these um, early authors, such as a Merlot, uh, I think we have to understand why the left becomes so upset just a, another current example of the way the left reacts uh, to people who are involved with older uh, treatises on various subjects. Aaron Rodgers, 
a quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, was just excoriated, Bob, mm-hmm. uh, because he uh, cited Atlas Shrugged mm-hmm. as his uh, as his favorite novel. Uh, and, and of course, if you go online and and search that, you'll find pages after pages of people talking about Aaron Rodgers and reading the the juvenile literature of of Atlas Shrugged, because the left. The left is more terrified of these older works than they are of the current works. The current works tend to be dealing with very limited contemporary focus. The older works Mm -hmm. that are removed from the immediacy of the progressive world or the conservative world, these earlier works are a a much more significant threat. Uh, I pointed that out, Bob, in in another essay just recently. Uh, The implication of Brave New World uh, under Mustafa Mund. And of course, uh, 1984. And my point in in that essay was essentially that both of these uh, prophetic writings have come to pass in modern America. We are living through 1984, the all-encompassing big brother of 1984, and of course, the somewhat hedonistic world of Mustafa Mund uh, in 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 the Brave New World. So um, this, they're, they're terrified of the older literature because it's more profound more probing, and totally removed from contemporary politics. And I think that makes the older literature, particularly Ayn Rand, I might say, yeah. uh, a bigger threat to them than the current writers. Probably. Yeah, it's so true. And, uh, you know, just to take a step back and underscore what's happening right now, we see people who are, uh, call them sheeple, <laughs> people who are absolutely following these mandates with the expectation that if I do the right things and all the things that they're prescribing, I'm going to be okay. And of course, that's just not working out to be the case. The, the consequences and the unintended consequences, maybe the intended consequences, who knows, is it's shutting down the economy. It's shutting down uh, our way of life, our culture, and uh, profound implications for young people, for wearing masks and so forth and going to school. Right now, there's discussion of closing down the schools in Illinois. It's, uh, it's, it's absolutely horrific what's happening, and it's exactly following the formula that you just spelled out. You know, and, and again, one of the major problems with what you just described and, and the entire situation we're dealing with is many of these uh, impacts are going to be somewhat into the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can't feel them uh, heavily right now. We can, we can predict and project and analyze. Uh, but I think when we get maybe four, five, ten years even into the future, when the children of eight, nine, and ten are now young adults, I think then we'll be able to see the manifestation of, of all of this in a culture that will become even more corrupted, more, uh, let's say, a factor of mass formation psychosis, the hypnotic response to propaganda, than we're even seeing right now, Bob. Reminds me of, uh, and again, Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, he has received many government grants from uh, NIH and from other organizations for the research that he's done, which has been so significant and made major contributions uh, to our uh, public health He's getting no grants right now. And why is that? Well, because it's all in the control of uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci and others. Uh, and uh, so his his uh, influence is they're trying to shut it down in so many different ways. What a shame. What a valuable resource we're wasting uh, with the talent of Dr. Robert Malone. But he's he's asserting, asserting himself in other ways. Well, he he's doing it. And I think we can judge the the. Uh, the wealth of a, of, a, of a person in the in the right positions by by the number of, of entries online that go about attacking him. And 
As I mentioned, Aaron Rodgers is being excoriated. You can see pages and pages. And the same thing with Dr. Robert Malone. Um, I don't think I mentioned this, but Robert Malone was one of the uh, the reviewers on Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci. And, and just to give your your uh, audience a flavor of, of, of Malone as he dealt with this issue, he says, I thought I understood what was going on from an insider point of view. But this is mind-blowing. Anthony Fauci is playing precisely the strategy developed and tested during the HIV days. Bobby is on fire with this manuscript. The depth of information and facts, all carefully cited, is absolutely mind-blowing. He goes on to say, Dr. Fauci's apparent need to bolster a fragile ego has led to the almost complete systemic corruption of not only U.S. HSS, but the entire world public health system. Mm -hmm. The consequences will be lasting damage to the reputation of the United States of America. So, I mean, this is the the focused uh, statements being made by Dr. Malone. Uh, people can um, can argue with his positions, but that is the problem. No one argues with Robert Malone. No one argues with significant thinkers uh, that are not on the left. What they do is they attack, attack them ad hominem. They try to destroy them as personalities. And you'll see if you go online again and, uh, and check it out, uh, you'll find that Malone is being just uh, bandied about as if he's a second rate thinker who has done nothing. Uh, and matter of fact, it's, it becomes very difficult to even find much information available on mass formation psychosis, because, again, Malone had brought that up in the Joe Rogan uh, podcast. So uh, the, the way the, the American uh, networks, big tech, uh, government itself uh, are dealing with these uh, these uh, sources and, and without even validating every every word they're saying is being true. I would say these are sources or should be sources of debate. But there are no debates in America, Bob. Not right. at all. It's all being shut down. I, I will say, and I'd like to underscore the importance of what you just said, uh, I encourage our readers or our listeners to read Robert Kennedy Jr.'s uh, The Real Anthony Fauci. It is a terrific read. It is well footnoted. Uh, all the information is proven in the book, and it is shocking. It's just an incredible read. I just, uh, for anybody who w wants to be a responsible citizen with regard to public health, this is a must-read book, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert Kennedy Jr. Absolutely. And, and just to, with that in mind, let me just read one other of the, uh, the reviewer's comments. This is a, a significant uh, author. This is not some second-rate author, Mike Adams. Uh, he, he talks about the work by Kennedy. It says, standing as a pivotal work for the history of science and medicine, mm -hmm. this book unveils the astonishing, twisted truth about a man, Fauci, and a corrupt institution, NIH, that have betrayed humanity at every turn in order to achieve profits and power. I mean, so, okay, so somebody says, well, that's that's not true, Professor Jabba. But at least argue that with, argue that with, uh, with uh, um, Bobby Kennedy. Right. Argue that with uh, Robert Malone. But there are no willing, there's no willingness uh, to debate these, argue these issues out. Uh, primarily, and I think the answer is obvious, because they do not have any uh, intellectual substance uh, on the on their side of the of, of the uh, the measured issues. I couldn't agree more. So, it's changing the topic slightly, but uh, uh, Dennis Prager has suggested uh, that uh, America is still a beacon of liberty. Uh, much, you know, following again the uh, the quote of uh, Ronald Reagan. What are your thoughts? Well, look, I, I love Dennis Prager. I think he's made significant contributions to uh, to America, uh, its awareness of issues. 
in this particular case, I, I tend, and you know this about me, I tend to have a resistance uh, to overblown statements about America. Why do I feel that way? I feel that way because I think it, it, uh, it, it blurs the issue. It, it denies us, it denies Americans the right to understand where we are right now. Mm -hmm. Now, Prager's uh, uh, comment that America is still a beacon of liberty, I think is somewhat put to lie by even the way he explains what that means. In the latter part of the, uh, the essay, uh, Prager goes on to talk about the United States. And what does he talk about in the United States? He talks about Florida. So he doesn't refer to the American federal government. He doesn't refer to the institutions of America at, at the, in the federal bureaucracy. He doesn't mention the educational corruption, institutional education system. He doesn't mention the, the media. He doesn't mention big tech. He says that America, America is still a beacon of liberty. Uh, and I'm sorry, Bob, in my estimation, America at this point, being led by the progressive left with all its institutions being corrupted, is in fact one of the most dangerous countries in the world. Now, are there bastions of, of, of sense, uh, sensible people in America? Absolutely. We can look at Ron DeSantis in Florida, which again is Prager's example, and they exist. Uh, if I was to write this headline, I would say, as of this moment, as of this moment, there are some Americans that are still a beacon of liberty, and that I would accept. But to suggest that America, as a nation, through its government, through its institutions, through its media, can be seen and is seen worldwide as a beacon of liberty is to me patently absurd, Bobby. So interesting. I know Nigel Farage has made the comment that r the left movement right now, what's happening in America, is an aberration. It's not a new trend. And uh, he thinks it will be corrected in the 2022 and 2024 elections. I hope that he's right. Uh, and I certainly respect his opinion as a leader of the uh, Brexit movement in, in, uh, in the UK. Uh, <laughs> I, I, there, there could be some truth to that. I think this message, Joe Biden and the left and all the things that they're trying to push right now is following on deaf ears right now. People are not receptive. It's just not selling at Prioria. <laughs> well, I, I think that's all true. And we've talked about this before. If, if all that is uh, fair, just, appropriate, uh, responsive to reality takes place in the midterms. And again, in 2024, I think there will be an, a, a resounding defeat of, of the, the, uh, the progressives uh, in, the, in the House, in the Senate, and ultimately in the presidency. But that remains to be seen. Yeah. If we talk about one of the, uh, the major predictions made by the Eurasia Group, I had mentioned that in my writings to you, uh, one of their major predictions is uh, in many ways, COVID-19 will continue to drive political and economic instability. And I think right now we're also seeing uh, more variants coming out of, of France that apparently had their origin in Cameroon. And so, again, we're seeing this moving beyond uh, Omicron. We're moving into new variants. And I've been predicting on, on your show for, for months now uh, that we're going to go into the 2022 elections with the same corrupted voting models that we saw in 2020. And I think there's, a, uh, unfortunately, a very good chance that we'll see the same corrupted results. So we can talk rationally about the American people response to the progressive left. I think we can talk about the damage they've done and the recognition of that. But I'll tell you what, as Stalin said and Joe Biden said, it's not the vote that counts. It's who counts the vote that yeah. counts. 
so interesting. We'll end with that, Andy. We'll give you the last word. I just re- genuinely appreciate your so well-informed commentary here on the show. Again, uh, Andy's book, off-topic for today's discussion, but it was Josephus of Oz. I hope you'll check it out. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Coming up, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. It's now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence, serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. I hope you'll check out the website and find out more. It is ga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of many books. His latest, he wrote, uh, co-authored with Buzz Aldrin. It's Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. Professor Bell, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Bob, and Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year to you as well, Professor. Uh, so you wrote this latest column of Word of Encouragement. I think it's a great way to end the show. New Year promises bright reawakening from woke nightmares. And I'll just remind our listeners, by the way, that uh, your column On Point appears in Newsmax.com, and you can just go right to the Newsmax.com, go down the right side of the page, and you'll find On Point by Professor Larry Bell. Maybe you could tell us about it. 
Yeah, I'm reflecting back. I think this past year, hopefully, has been a big wake-up call for a lot of people in terms of, you know, how socialism working so far. And, uh, you know, it's had a, a pretty a pretty alarming year, and I think a cliffhanger with, uh, I wrote an article, previous article on mansions, uh, in my view, kind of man of the year, because in common with Christian cinema, that they kind of held back the... Uh, the disaster of, of a lot of this legislation in the Senate, and I think the you know the House situation was really very strong for uh, Republicans. I think it'll be a title change in terms of opening up a lot of uh, investigations in terms of the uh, you know a, a lot of really bad things that have happened, mm. even even including the. You know the source and and circumstances of the COVID virus and and, uh, and some of the medical advice you've been getting is very bad and and you know a whole a whole lot of issues. But as we look back on the year, um, you know we look at the terrible terrible disasters. They're not over yet, but you know we have the border open border, and I think people by and large don't like that. They see that. The um, border states are every state now with with uh, you know literally millions of people coming across the border and being distributed in government expense all over the country and we see inflation we see the attack on fossil energy which I think a lot of parts of the world in fact every almost every part of the world is going to feel this winter with shortages of coal and with Europe uh, you know insanely shutting down its nuclear plants and and now really being dependent upon natural gas from uh, Russia at the same time that China's building a new coal plant every every week, the equivalent of one. And so we see the energy disaster and we see, you know, the issues in the schools and kind of an anti-patriotism um, sense of the whole, you know, the whole idea of the American you know, the American psyche that we can, everyone can succeed if they work hard and persevere. This is the land of opportunity rather than, you know, having people constantly tear down our country and and divide us into racial, ethnic groups and sit them against each other, which is really classic Marxism. And all these, all these terrible things that have happened this year, I think that it's been a wake-up call for a lot of people, and you can see Elon Musk now talking about it, and he's kind of the bullshit child today, right now for American success story, and I'm really very hopeful. I am as well, Professor. In fact, that just reflecting on uh, the quarterback of the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers, now saying that he's reading Ayn Rand, he's reading Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> he's, it's just a you know, just a year ago, everybody was taking a knee and uh, talking about Black Lives Matter. So maybe, maybe this message that they're sending out is wearing thin with the American people, and hopefully, the silent majority is going to respond appropriately on in November. Well, you mentioned you know that you know people want security and and. The- what we've seen happening in, in cities with, you know, with the mobs and, and the uh, fashion grab kind of kind of mentality and, and so on. I think 
people are losing their tolerance and saying, look, at, you know, we are a society of law and order. We, we want safety for ourselves and for our children. And, and we see mass migrations now out of, you know, out of, out of Manhattan, out of New York. It's ironic to me. I've always thought of, think of New York as being, you know, such an international spirited place where you, you walk through Central Park and you see people watching, you know, just a, you know this uh, vitality of the city. And now it seems like a city of sheeple, you know, that right. it's, it seems like it's scary to me that you can take a city that size and make it that compliant to these rules and see what it hap- what happens to a, to a major city. And, and it's just mass, you know, mass insanity that, you know, the, partly the COVID, but I, you know, as we know, you know, the work at home phenomena really made people realize they don't have to live in a metropolitan area if they don't want to. And then the COVID uh, really accelerated that and everybody set up their offices in their homes and they say, hey, this is kind of a cool thing. I can live anywhere I want. And we're seeing demographic shifts from cities to both from from red, from blue states to red states, but also from from metropolitan areas to more suburban and outlying areas where they can live near grandma and go to PTA meetings and take online courses and get a second degree and, and and so on. So we're seeing a tremendous shift right now. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe in part of that shift is realizing that, you know, that we can now, we are a global society. We can interact, market our services globally with, the internet, but at the same time, we're a society of communities, so actual people living together, working together, not as racial divides or ethnic divides, but really as communities of people that have common, share common beliefs and common goals. And we see this multiculturalism as an enriching part of our, our country, not not a dividing part of our country. And you know, I think I think we're waking up to that fact. I think we see it reflected in um, in the beginning to see it reflected in, in more and more of the media and mm-hmm. uh, kind of a rejection of, of these very divisive and very uh, uh, destructive kinds of uh, attitudes, I think, that have been prevailing over the past past few years. They've been happening with greater occurrence, and I think now they they really snowballed in the past, in the past, you know, several months or a couple of yeah. years, and uh, I think people are waking up. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It just reminds me of the line from Network, the great uh, movie, uh, I'm I'm mad as hell and I'm not taking it anymore, and everybody leaning yeah. out the window saying the same thing. In, in a sense, that was, of course, about the network, but this is about the American society, and I think people are at that point now, leaning out the window saying, I'm mad as hell and I'm not taking it anymore. <laughs> at least that's my hope, and I, I hope you're... Your uh, thought is right. By the way, again, our listeners, go to uh, New Year Promises Bright or Reawakening from Woke Nightmares. You'll find that on Newsmax.com by Professor Larry Bell. Also, I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, uh, Pioneering the Space Frontier, co-authored with uh, Buzz Aldrin by Professor Larry Bell. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, I always enjoy it, and I think we're going to have a good year at release. Really do believe that. Uh, I'm, really well, thank you. I'm with you, Professor. Thank you so much. 
Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pete Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. Dr. George Markovich, orthopedic uh, surgeon. We'll also visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs> <laughs>